Welcome back to the Fantasy Formula. I'm Adam from F1 Fantasy HQ, and back from Austin is Rob from F1 Fantasy Hub. Rob, did you catch a sunburn in that Texas heat? Adam, great to be back. I obviously missed the deadline stream last Friday uh, because, as you say, I was out at Circuit Americas. I didn't um, get any sunburn at all. I was pretty, pretty mindful of the fact that it was very hot out there and didn't want my skin to turn the same shade as the Ferrari shirt I was wearing. Uh, so, no, no sunburn, but I think, and we'll get into this lately, my team certainly got burnt uh, one way or another, but it wasn't from the heat. But a great weekend all in all, and I'm very glad I'm back, back with you. We definitely missed you last Friday, and a big thanks to Tom from the YouTube channel Pop Pan Man F1 for stepping in. We had a fantastic live show. All right, let's kick things off for this week. As always, we're going to break down the last race, which is the U.S. Grand Prix. Not a great result for Rob and I. We'll talk a little bit about how that happened. Then we're going to look ahead to Mexico because Rob and I are going to be looking to gain some ground, and we have some ideas for slightly differential lineups that could get you some much-needed points if you fell behind at the U.S. Grand Prix. We'll talk about the fan app picks of the week, so you have a chance to win some great prizes on our partner app. And then we'll talk about our lineup choices in this week's Fifth Gear Garms giveaway. Well, isn't that exciting? I have a new team name for, I think, the third week in a row um, through the competition that, please excuse if I mispronounce the name, Moulay Yemen. Um, they won our giveaway uh, on the stream last week, which I obviously wasn't there for, but... I've had my team renamed uh, Piastri with a one in place of the first I in his surname. I've already made that change on my team. So that will be visible um, in future videos uh, ahead of Mexico. But congrats to the winner there. And as Adam said, we'll be running more of these prizes, uh, these giveaways um, and prizes as part of our, our stream this coming week. Yeah, big thanks to Fifth Gear Garms again for sponsoring the contest. As always, you can use our code FANTASY10 for 10% off your next order. And I'm rocking the W11 Mercedes shirt as a sign of solidarity for our first topic tonight. Lewis and Charles, a disqualification totally ruined our day, Rob. At the end of the race, Lewis was on pace for a season-high 40 points. We had this huge differential because we used the limitless chip, had that Mercedes constructor in, it had scored the, the most points um, of any team not named Red Bull. And so we were on pace to really make some huge gains up the global rankings. But alas, it wasn't to be. No, it was a real, real kick in the guts there when we found out that was announced. Um you know, I, I when I when I saw that, I think Chris Medlin was the first journalist I saw tweet that. Uh I was, you know, obviously discouraged by it, but we've seen the FIA in the past renege on decisions they've made after the race uh, when um, obviously teams have contended uh, what, whatever whatever has been put forward. Um, so I had a glimmer of hope that maybe they would uh, withdraw the disqualification or the, the possible likelihood of a disqualification, but not to be. And I think, as you say, um, it really spelled the end of many people on Limitless who had doubled up on Lewis and Mercedes, Leclerc, perhaps the Ferrari constructor. So I think quite a few people, ourselves included, came away with minus 75. 
it was a tough break for sure, but it is fair, you know, so the, the FIA, they're going to sample a few cars at random for a number of different parameters at the end of every race. This particular check, the plate is 10 millimeters thick. You can get down to nine millimeters plus or minus 0.2. And then if you're any lower than that, you get referred to the stewards and it's a pretty cut and dry case at that point. I think their hearings were under 15 minutes each. And then the teams were very apologetic afterwards. So it was a pretty open and, uh, you know, open and shut case. And unfortunately, we didn't really get to see Mercedes new floor, honestly, you know, so Russell finished a little bit behind the, the front runners. Lewis got disqualified after running really well all weekend. So I think this weekend in Mexico, we'll get the first sense of that new Mercedes floor on Hamilton's car, hopefully on a level playing field. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a lot to be optimistic about Mercedes assets heading into this weekend. I know we can obviously get into it in more detail later in the show, but, you know, Lewis has driven particularly well lately and I'm going to look past his DNF in the race in Qatar as well as this disqualification. I think he in um, the US Grand Prix held his own for the whole race, uh, really took it to max. I know Verstappen was dealing with that brake issue throughout the race, which probably hampered his pace a little bit. But the fact that Lewis was within three seconds of max at the end of the race obviously is a really good sign. Um, and I do think that breakthrough win um, for Lewis is coming. So fingers crossed he's able to deliver a couple more performances from what we saw disqualifications aside. And if you can believe it, this is the first time since 2010 that Lewis has gone back-to-back races, not scoring points. And mm-hmm. think about how rare this situation was. Last time out, he had a lap one collision with his teammate. This time out, he was disqualified by tenths of a millimeter. So the likelihood of that happening more than this one time, it's pretty mm-hmm. unlikely. So I like Lewis's odds of a comeback for sure. Yeah, on the on the topic of some some negative points scored for the weekend, I think that segues quite nicely into Oscar Piastri. He obviously had his streak disappear at Circuit of the Americas. He's been one of the most consistent performing fantasy assets lately, as you can see on the screen here. Five straight races in a row with 15 or more points. So obviously a really disappointing outcome for his owners and a lot of people that didn't ultimately go with Limitless were stuck or maybe not stuck, but elected to stay with Oscar Piastri and the McLaren constructor. And as a result of that, they were also burned by by that DNF. It was a tough break for Oscar because it was that early contact with Ocon that ripped up a little damage and it ultimately cost both of them their race day. And I think this is just the kind of bad break that happens once or twice a season for some of these top drivers. Surely Piastri is going to bounce back soon. And I really like him as an asset for these next few weeks, because writers price analysis had Oscar as one of the top potential gainers at Coda. And so because he ended up not realizing that gain because of the DNF, I think he's going to gain and then some, if he can record a top five finish in these next two races. Yeah. I I'm interested to see how the McLaren performs at Mexico. Uh, there has been some reports of them not being quite as confident with their car heading into uh, the Grand Prix this coming weekend. So I am eager to see with three full sessions worth of information how Oscar and Lando's cars do perform. Um, Lando last weekend looked exceptional from the outset. Oscar was a little slow actually, um, slower than I probably anticipated because we've seen from him 
so much in the second half of this season really matched Lando's qualifying pace for the most part. Lando seems to have him covered just about over the course of a full race. But um, I'm just intrigued by, I guess, the pessimism that McLaren are kind of exhibiting at the moment because, you know, we're, we're so accustomed to that consistency. You know, I fell for McLaren's pessimism last week, though, because I think it was in our live show. I had dug up these quotes where Oscar said, I don't know about these bumps at Coda. And Lando said, I don't know about our car in these low speed corners. And then Lando ends up P2 again. So I I don't know. Maybe they could be playing coy with us a little bit. Maybe. But again, practice sessions. Um, I'm very much looking forward to having three back because the last couple of weeks of just one has made for a pretty... Uh, drastic couple of of race weeks where we have to make knee-jerk decisions with only 60 minutes worth of info. And as we look ahead to this week, our teams are going to revert back to the lineups from Qatar because we used a limitless chip. Piastri will be in them, and so will Yuki Sonoda, who is the budget driver king by a landslide this week. Yuki scored 30 points and became the first budget driver since Zhou Guan Yu back in Bahrain to steal the fastest lap. Really an incredible effort out of Yuki. And it was interesting because when they called him in to fit the new tires to go for the fastest lap, he thought they were retiring the car. So a really great turn of events for Yuki and a great outcome. Yeah, he has been a driver, I think, that's probably flown under the radar a little bit this season because Joe, as you pointed out, has been the, the king of the budget driver category. But I've really liked Sonoda as that kind of secondary option. And if you can't afford Joe becomes a, a really good kind of fallback for so many people that may not have the same budget to stretch. He obviously had 30 points this weekend, as you pointed out, his best result of the season. Also had 11 the weekend before in Qatar. And so I think with a little bit of momentum, bit of a wet sail coming into the last few races of the season, I definitely think he becomes um, a very viable option in our teams. For sure. And Daniel Ricardo interestingly had the second fastest lap, although that doesn't get you anything, but it speaks to some, some pace he had at the end of that race. And we've got to mention Logan Sargent with the disqualifications, Logan promoted to his first points in formula one, the first American since Mario Andretti 30 years ago to record points in F1 and 16 fantasy points to his credit. So a great result from Logan after a really forgettable stretch just before this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think this necessarily puts him back on our radars as must own or like top of the budget pile, but it is a great sign for him as a driver to see he can actually put in a solid performance, um, not taking anything away from scoring his first point in Formula One, but there is still that gulf between him and Albon in that Williams. So I think it's uh, it doesn't really instill me with a lot of confidence that even though he has put in his best driver of the season, his second best fantasy performance of the season, um, as a driver, I'm really reaching for. And even even if I am, a, I guess, a strategist that is stretched for budget, um, there's there's Daniel Ricciardo at 4.5, who's even more affordable. So um, a good weekend for Sargent, but not someone I'm drawn to any anytime soon. Same here. One driver that we always try to get into our lineups is Zhou Guan Yu. He had a pretty disappointing weekend considering it was a high overtake track. He finished with mm. only two points. And as you can see here, another driver that we had in our lineups early in the season that had a difficult weekend was Lance Stroll. We mm. say tough break for Lance because his FP1 only lasted five minutes. He came out with a break issue. The sprint, he retired early due to a break issue. So it ended up being a tough weekend overall for Lance. But then on Sunday, 
He rocked up, started in the pit lane because they operated on his car under park Fermi conditions and finished P7. Hmm. And not just P7, P7 by merit. You can see here the average lap times. Lance was P7 by average lap time too. And I bring this up because Lance's car was outfitted with these upgrades from Aston Martin. And it makes you wonder if Lance Stroll can get P7 in those upgrades, what can Fernando Alonso do when he gets them this week? Yeah, exactly. I think the upgrades, <clears throat> even though they, they worked wonders, I certainly didn't expect they'd work that well for Aston Martin. I know that Alonso and Stroll were running slightly different setups, but um, notwithstanding that, we've seen Alonso really make the most of those Aston Martin upgrades. It's great to see Stroll after a number of weeks where he's been in the headlines for disappointing performances, the, the talk of a possible tennis career in a year or two's time. He put in a good performance that I think you know will give him a little bit of confidence for the run-in to the, to the remainder of the season. So obviously really encouraging to see him drive a really good race from the back of the grid all the way up into the points. This has me convinced that maybe we haven't heard the last of Fernando Alonso as a possible alternate option as we get into the last races of the season. This could be really interesting in the home stretch. Yeah, definitely think he could be on the radar for a few of our teams in Mexico. There's been some quiet um, optimism around what Aston Martin uh, will look like at Mexico. It is, you know, very much a high, higher or power speed track with those two big straights, but. Um, I think that altitude, and I know you touched on it in your article um, earlier this week, could certainly mix it up a little bit. And you never know, we could see Alonso back kind of in that top five that we became accustomed to in the first half of the season. I can't wait. Hopefully we get a little shakeup in both fantasy and on track this weekend. So let's take a look at our teams last week. Provisionally, we had 395 points before the DQs. Afterwards, 99 fewer points at 296. And for me, Rob, I had just cracked the top 1,000 before those DQs came out. So I was tenths of a millimeter from cracking it. And as you can see now, back outside the top 5,000. So a really tough break. Yeah, it, it, it really was um, the hardest probably fantasy week I've ever experienced myself uh i i definitely was leaning on this chip for that major breakthrough with a few races to go and um to have the rug pulled out from underneath you with those disqualifications really does hurt uh i'll i'll always look back on this weekend as bittersweet because being at circuit of the americas the energy was absolutely insane um but then obviously i can still remember reading that tweet that came through uh as I was leaving the racetrack from Chris Medland. And um, I think that will be etched into my thinking for the foreseeable future. But I think, you know, I'm not going to ramble too, too much about, about these teams we've got here up on the screen, but we made the right decision until the disqualification. All five of those drivers and those two constructors were the standout assets to own through the entire weekend. And had it not been for obviously that those those Leclerc and Hamilton disqualifications, we would have been on for, you know, a pretty sizable movement in the ranks. Yeah, and congratulations to the teams that were able to avoid a disaster. I know some people slapped the 3X on this week, avoided Lewis, and subbed out Piastri to try to get a differential, and they, they found themselves in the 400s. That ended up being the recipe for success. Obviously, having Yuki in your lineup as your budget driver also worked, so kudos to those teams that, that avoided that mess. And one thing I forgot to mention earlier, this was the third race this season that Carlos Sainz has been promoted to a podium 
after the podium ceremony <laughs> due to penalties or disqualifications. So very strange season for him. Yeah, definitely. That that was actually something I also wanted to to mention in respect of Carlos Sainz and, and George Russell was about the disqualifications. I know these samples are random, but I do wonder whether... You know, given Lewis Hamilton and Leclerc were were penalized for these infringements or these, I guess, breaches, whether Russell and Sainz would have had the same fate had they been tested as well, because they were running very similar setups. And we know Mercedes in particular had that floor introduction. So, you know, you you would think that if the deterioration of the track because there was concerns around the, the quality of the the asphalt around circuit of the americas whether that would have affected signs and russell as well and if so and if they were reviewed it could have been an even more disastrous limitless weekend for us yeah thankfully it's just a sample doesn't matter how many turn up positive the sample is whoever gets penalized and everyone else gets off scot-free mm. there was a tweet later on i think it was from tommy from p1 who had wondered how many other drivers would have been caught had they sampled the whole grid, and Leclerc liked it. So a little a little internet tea on Sunday night coming from, <laughs> from that like. So that was a funny point in the evening. Yeah, yeah. I, I listened to their show. I'm not, not going to drag on too much about Matt and Tommy, but when I listened to the, their show or their episode, it was quite funny. I think you may have heard it too, that you know, drivers without having to explicitly state their point of view on Twitter or Instagram, they can just subtly like a tweet or a post here and there, and that essentially reflects where they what their stance is. So funny, funny there. All right, now moving forward to Mexico this week, Rob and I have to shake it off, gather our our composure, and figure out how are we going to keep marching ahead and improve <clears throat> our rankings. The first guy we want to talk about here is Sergio Perez. He looked great at Coda. He had, uh, it was P4, uh, P5 in the sprint, and then P4 in the Grand Prix for 32 points. So really great showing from Checo. No obvious mistakes. And I found this quote from Helmut Marco that was very optimistic. He said, from ninth on the grid, he achieved the maximum. On the medium, he drove the same lap times as Max. His racing speed was impeccable, but overtaking is incredibly difficult here. His performance was satisfactory, a clear upward trend. So good news for Perez heading into his home race. Yeah, I think he has been looking for that bounce back performance um, that he's just not had the last few weeks. His confidence has definitely well, probably taken a bit of a blow uh, and it's a good sign. I really, I really am a fan of Checo uh, and coming into his home race at a circuit that he has such a good record at. You know, as as you can see on the screen, back to back P3s. You know, he's also scored points in six out of his last seven visits to the the Hermanos Rodriguez Autodrome. So, with the home crowd advantage behind him, and he had one, he had almost like a quasi home ground support system at circuit of the americas i think that's going to be you know a very big motivating factor for him to turn in a good result for red bull and i'm keeping an eye on perez this week for what i'm calling the sentimental driver of the day i think obviously max is just not winning it anymore unless he does something really outrageous lando's won it so much recently that i don't know how much more people have an appetite for it so who's going to get that driver of the day if perez can sneak into his third straight podium here I think the sentimental driver of the day in 10 points could be his. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I'd never really looked um, at him as an asset quite like that, but he did have that podium last season and Ricardo was the driver of the day um, 
in Mexico 2022. So, I mean, for sure, I think if there are enough uh, Perez fans to, to submit a vote for him because of a podium finish, then that would be awesome. But I also don't want to get too caught up in that because I know you and I did speculate about Ricardo when he returned as a potential driver of the day nominee and that, that really never came to fruition. So uh, I think, you know, if he does put in a, a podium or even a, a race win, I think, at his home Grand Prix, he's certainly on track for it. Absolutely. Now let's take a look at the track that Perez is going to try to get that podium on. It's one of the more unique situations on the calendar because it's two kilometers above sea level and you have these long straights, but also some really difficult turns. And because they're so high up, the air pressure is lower and teams have to bring typically more loaded rear wings just to stay on the track during the curvy parts of the, the circuit. So it'll be interesting to see which flavor teams lean toward. We saw Valtteri Botas get the fastest recorded speed ever in F1 history at a Grand Prix at this track, whereas you have other teams that play it safe on the straights and bring high downforce that they can excel on the turns. So it's it's going to be a quite the buildup to this weekend. Yeah, definitely. It is a, a circuit that, as you pointed out, has the pit lane straight is one of the longest straights on the Formula One calendar. You've also got that second straight in sector one as well. That's um, naturally going to favor some of those cars with great lines, straight line speeds, such as Ferrari and Williams. But those, those, they've also got turns where they are some of the slowest as well. So you, as you pointed out, that, that downforce um, setup is going to be pretty key. Um, I do wonder what McLaren, who do typically run a high downforce setup, will will fare. But again, I'm not I'm not quite sure what to expect at the moment because of how many variables there are. Um, just I guess three practice sessions worth of data um, will be will be really useful, and they're also going to try a new tire compound as well in the first session. I understand. So lots of lots of variables, I guess, in the lead up to the deadline. Absolutely. And you had mentioned Ricardo's driver of the day from last year. What makes it even more special, it was pretty much a lost season for him in his last season with McLaren. He finished P7 despite a 10-second time penalty because he rammed himself into Yuki Tsunoda, which was the second of two consecutive DNFs for Yuki. So good, good history for Danny Rick, bad history for Yuki. Yuki's first DNF came in 2021. There was a collision at the top of the grid. It was Ricardo again with Valtteri Botas that sent a bit of a shockwave down to the midfield. And then Yuki was just caught in between a pile of cars. And then he found himself out pretty quickly after that. So really bad luck for Yuki, but pretty good stretch for Daniel. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's it's hard to personally read into DNF history too much. I mean, it, it must be uh, playing on the mind of these drivers to a certain extent, but I wouldn't try and say unless they have a particular issue on certain turns around the circuit that it would necessarily culminate in, a, in another DNF. But I'm not going to let that really for uh, Sonoda, for instance, who's one of the informed budget drivers detract me from choosing him this weekend. Obviously on the screen here, Lewis Hamilton, four straight podiums at Mexico. Uh, he's obviously, despite the fact he's had his worst two fantasy performances of the season in back-to-back -back weekends, Seems to be an asset that has popped onto a few people's radars because of, I guess, his otherwise pretty consistent season. The last thing we usually talk about on track history is overtakes. This is a circuit that was fairly low comparatively on the 2022 calendar for overtakes. So I'm not going to overinvest in Joe or Magnuson or even Perez for the sake of overtakes. I might invest in him for other reasons this week. 
I think the only glimmer of hope we might have is if teams are going for maximum speed down that straight where they can overtake people. Maybe there's a driver or two that have the right setup for overtakes, but it's a little too early to tell right now. Do we want to take a look at the weather forecast quickly then? Let's do it. It's, uh, I mean, we had a pretty dry week the last couple races. And I mean, before that, the, the flavor of the month was wet weather races galore. So I don't think we fully escaped the, uh, the wet weather, but it looks like practice could be a little disrupted on the Friday. Yeah, it's going to be a matter of whether that, that rain shifts at all into Saturday or if it sits in Friday. Right now, it looks like a dry qualifying and race. But if some of that rain shifts into Saturday, those of us that still have the final fix, keep an eye out. Maybe someone gets knocked out in Q1 unexpectedly. But otherwise, we're keeping up the streak of dry races. I think um, I wonder if, if there is a bit of wet weather that carries over, if it if it affects qualifying, which I think also um, transitions nicely into our picks of the week because we've got the three of the Spanish speaking drivers qualifying the lowest, whether or not if rain isn't a factor, I, I feel like, um, and I, I'd probably prefer it's not a factor at all. So we get a clean weekend of racing, but for me, there's a, I'm not, I'm not really sure. There's, there's reasons you could make for, for all three of these drivers in signs, Alonso and Perez. Do you have a strong opinion on any of them? It's not a strong opinion. I think it's going to be, I'll even give you the order. Perez, then signs, then Alonso, all of them in Q3. I don't think that's a stretch at all. I uh, I definitely think uh, Alonso could be sneaky good uh, at Mexico based on the, the speculation of those upgrades that we, we saw recently at Circuit of the Americas. Perez with that hometown support. I probably am the most skeptical. Um, I wouldn't call it a flop, but... A little, little low on on Carlos signs. Uh, I, I do wonder if the straights are going to be enough to lift that Ferrari into a top five in qualifying. But uh, from what we've seen, the Red Bull, you know, it's got overall the best kind of consistency and setup. Assuming Checo can make it through this weekend cleanly, he's he's my pick um, to probably win or get qualified highest. So I'm going to say signs as my lowest qualifier among those three i'm so glad we have three free practice sessions this week we're going to get a proper quality pace and race pace simulation we get to sit back and relax a bit more it felt like it was just ready fire aim these last few weeks with the sprint um, i'm excited to have more data to arm my teams over to the grand prix will lewis and checo be on the podium for the third year in a row i'm going to say just law of averages, they're not going to both be on there. Maybe, but I think they'll both be top five. So I, I suspect mm. it will be Max, Lewis, then like a Charles Orlando kind of thing, and then maybe Checo. But so it's a no, but it's it's that close. Yeah, I, I, I've been toing and froing with this a little bit over the last kind of 30 minutes or so, but I... Uh, I am going to say yes. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that Checo will continue to build on that form that he's really kind of just rediscovered um, in the US Grand Prix. Lewis, I think as well, I don't think there's any chance he misses out on a podium. That Mercedes just seems to go from strength to strength every single weekend lately. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm not suggesting Lewis is going to you know, outright beat Max this weekend, but I'm pretty confident that win's not far off at all. So 
if it's not Mexico, I've got a pretty pretty good feeling that he could certainly make a crack um, at Brazil. But I'm going to say yes. I think it'll be I think it'll be Max Checo Lewis. They were saying that Lewis was closer than he looked at catching up to Max on Sunday. There was this pit window. You heard some of the the team radio if you watch the broadcast. They missed it. They had to keep Lewis out, and that buried him by about six seconds. Had he pit at the proper time, he could have been right right up there with Max for a good part of the race, and then would see some real dueling. Hopefully, we get the optimal strategy for Mercedes this week and really see some of that fight that we got used to in 2021. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you throw in the the slower pit stop um, Mercedes had as well for Lewis's after Lewis's first stint. Uh, so there are a lot of things that weren't ideal for Mercedes last weekend. Um, and as you say, had had all of those things gone right, we could have seen that breakthrough win, timed it with the braking issue Max had. I still think it's a very strong possibility Lewis comes away with a with a top step victory in 2023. If Lewis wins a race this year, I will wear all of my Mercedes shirts on top of each other and make one big blanket on one of these shows. I would be just over the moon. Well, maybe if maybe if uh, if Piastri has another podium and and Lewis wins a race in the same weekend, we can uh, do both of those on a on a deadline stream. Fingers Fantastic! Let's crossed. do it now. Without further ado, let's talk about our teams because we took slightly different strategies with our first draft team. For me, I'm going to keep the triple McLaren for now. Let's see how the free practice data looks. If they don't have it, maybe we'll sub them out a bit. But I really like Piastri and McLaren as value gainers this week, especially with uh, Piastri going down last week. Ricardo, I think you mentioned this in your video earlier today, Rob. Ricardo is one decent race away from getting over $5 million, And he has a pretty good history at this track. And then really it just comes down to banking on Checo holding it on. If he can finish in the top five, if he gets that sentimental driver of the day, this is just a, a nice and easy, not very sexy, but low floor, a high floor team. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, um, I, I've, I've certainly thought about that lineup too. There's there's kind of two or three different ones I've, I've really looked at seriously the last kind of 24, 48 hours. And you can certainly make a case for Perez, um, as one of those drivers that could really have a high high points ceiling. So um, the reason I chose to be a little bit different with this team and with this team, the the three changes I made are the, the ones on the middle row. But um, just because I, I probably want to be a little different uh, to the rest of the pack I'm chasing, I think Lewis still remains as a very high upside play there. Ricardo, both of us, very low owned. Um, certainly very close to a price rise. And then Alex Albon, it's kind of hard for me to get to, to Lewis without having to downgrade Oscar. I do think that McLaren may struggle just a little bit. I know we talked about this already. They could, they may just be sandbagging at the moment, but if they do look off the pace um, in the practice sessions, I might even consider moving out Lando Norris as well. It would have to be pretty pretty slow going for McLaren for me to consider doing that. Um, but I am trying to find an opportunity to squeeze in Perez. I'm not sure how I could do that, but it may also mean running two budget drivers. I'm tinkering at the moment, but for now, the team I've got on the screen is one that I think can probably gain a little bit um, on the guys ahead with a couple of differentials. Yeah, it's a very sensible team. You've got 
two podium contenders in Max and Lewis. Albon could be very fast and very good at this track. We talked earlier about how it's a low overtake circuit, but with the right setup and the right car, you might have a standout and Albon could be that guy for you. Um, if we're feeling really crazy, if McLaren doesn't have it and Aston Martin does, Lando for Fernando Alonso opens up some budget for you. Yeah. But it would be a little risky because it's been a long time since we've said, yeah, Fernando Alonso. Yeah, exactly. It's it's. I think fantasy is very much a game of form. And, you know, Lando's had four podiums in a row, hasn't scored less than 30 uh, the last four weeks. So it, it would be very hard for me to part ways with him. Um, and it also means if I'm taking a minus four for this team, I could potentially use the wild card just because we've only got so many races left that... I don't think I'll be taking too many more hits for the foreseeable future. Um, if Alonso does also look good, as you pointed out, that's more of a reason for me to activate wildcard. It sets my team up quite nicely for Brazil because I think Mercedes will be quite strong there. So giving myself a little bit of flexibility in the next couple of week, weeks ahead, but I don't think I'm chasing price increases quite as much right now just because we've only got four races left and, um, yes, budget is important. And I mean, I've been plagued with budget deficiency and cost cap limitations for the second half of this season. So it sounds a bit ironic not saying I'm not chasing budget, but I think I'm just trying to focus on cracking into the top 5K given 1,000 is just a little bit out of reach now. Let me ask you, earlier today, there were some rumors that Ferrari are going to take an engine penalty soon. Mm -hmm. We don't know when. Yep. If they say it's this weekend, with mm. the the lower historical overtake numbers we've seen at this track, is it worth jumping in on Ferrari or is it too insurmountable to take the risk that they don't get higher than, you know, P10, P12? Yeah, I, I would be reluctant to take that chance if the, the overtakes are not looking quite as likely. Um, it is pretty well documented that they just won't be that many uh, at Mexico. If it was at Brazil, however, uh, or even... Las Vegas potentially because it, it is essentially a rectangular track. Uh, there is going to be, I think, quite a number of different team bills with Ferrari kind of sprinkled in the mix that would make them worthwhile considering. And, you know, I I may not end up using the wild card this weekend, but if there are grid penalties that we see from Ferrari and, and the like, I may just take a punt uh, on maybe two or, or even a triple up. I'm not sure if I'm that daring for a triple Ferrari build, but... I'd certainly consider going double if, say, Leclerc took a 10-place grid penalty. So you've noticed a shift in some of our lineup builds these last few weeks. When we had the upper hand, it was a lot more conservative, trying to maintain rank, slowly grow rank. Now that we're on the back foot, I think we're going to start getting a little more aggressive these last few weeks. So take that as you will as you figure out what some of your goals are in the last few months of the year. Are you trying to maintain first place in your league and you're you're just looking to be a little more conservative or are you really looking to make a rise? And I think those are some of the lineups that Rob and I will be featuring in this space moving forward. I have one more question for you before we get to the, the last part of the, the show, but how many chips do you have left out of curiosity? I think there's two from memory, but I can't remember which two they are. Wild card and final fix. So where I'm stuck is if I do a lineup like yours, use the wild card to avoid the penalty because at this point any negative points i might as well just use the wild card to avoid mm. the penalty mm. that precludes me from using the final fix if i see something outrageous in the in the grand prix or in mm. the in the qualifying, qualifying. session mm. so 
I'm tempted to save it for Interlagos, where I really want Hamilton, and I'm willing to do some of those lineup gymnastics. I think it's less likely I'll need the final fix there. That's where I'm leaning right now. Otherwise, if things keep going smoothly, then all of a sudden I might eat the wild card and then really throw a Hail Mary on the final fix in one of the last year races. Yeah, that's that's fair. Mine's autopilot and wild card. Both, I think, are pretty much... So you already explained wildcard perfectly. Autopilot, I think it would be a good potential grid penalty race. But I again, like you, your situation, I can't use that in the same weekend if Ferrari were slated to make a change to one of the cars. So I am a little, little unsure as to when. I think I'll just take it week to week and make it a decision um, at a point in time. But right now, not looking to activate any chips at this very moment. Same. All right. That all being said, let's move on to our contest question of the week. Reminder to head over to the FanAmp app, go over to the Fantasy Formula Base, and answer this question. Who scores more fantasy points this week? The hometown hero, Checo, or Lewis, who is on a hot streak at this track, reeling after the disqualification, and maybe he's back with a vengeance as long as, as well as a new floor. I think for me, I did say in our podium predictions earlier that I'd go Max Checo Lewis. I think unless for whatever reason more overtakes at a circuit uh, that typically doesn't have that many becomes a factor, I'd expect Checo to outscore Lewis if he is higher than him in the podium places. And if he does, you know, it does get close to, to winning the race, then as you pointed out before, driver of the day could be a very real possibility. So add that to his bow, uh, and I think he's certainly on track for a pretty hefty points haul. What's your take? I'm trying to send the positive vibes back to Lewis. I'm wearing the shirt. I want to see Lewis at least P2 or higher. Hopefully that will be enough to either get him driver of the day or enough points where he's outscored Checo. If I'm running Checo my lineup this week, though, I don't want it to be by too much. But give me Lewis by a little bit. Going with your heart over your head there. I, I like it. <laughs> Let us know what you think. The last few weeks, we've been tabulating the results and sharing them on our live show. And then we tend to debate it a bit over the course of that hour just to see where everyone stands on it. And then it plays out in the race. So join us this Saturday it will be one hour before qualifying and when lineups lock. It'll be great to have a Saturday reasonably timed live show to join Rob and all of you. Rob, are you excited for it? So pumped. Good to be back in the uh, in the deadline stream circle. And I'll be I'll be there for every single one for the remainder of the season. So as much as I love seeing you and Tom. Uh, run the show when I'm not able to make it. I'm very excited to dissecting everyone's burning questions the hour before the deadline closes. So very pumped and looking forward to seeing you all there. Thank you all so much for watching. We will see you this Saturday.